by the way, all the key players, they all acknowledge in their lineage, they're all New Agers. New Ager is another re- word for occultists into some form of Western occultism and pantheism. All is divine. You are part of the all, so you're divine. So how does that square with your Christianity? How does it square with what the Word of God says? Welcome to the Walk in Truth Minisode. A Step Closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. Now, let's get into today's topic. Even clear back in Deuteronomy 13 and 18, we see there's two major tests for truth, two major ones. One is if something doesn't happen, you know God's not involved. The mark of the biblical prophet is 100% accuracy. But back in Deuteronomy 13, the standard is if it contradicts Scripture, if it contradicts what God has revealed, you know God's not in it. So this stuff teaches you are Christ. You need to discover the divine in you. Listen to what Scripture says. My Bible's like in 50 pieces, so I have to be careful here. The good news is I can always take out what I don't like. Uh, If something bothers me... I just pull it out. Sorry, Lord. Now, as you're turning there, Deuteronomy 13, um, I recollect it saying that if... I think I'm kidding. If someone, <laughs> if someone comes along and makes a true prophecy, and then they tell you to go after other gods, even if the prophecy were true, but they direct you away from the living God to other gods, small g, don't listen to them. So... Craig, as you're locating that, here's an important thing. This is something Marsha Montenegro said. You've said this many times. We don't determine truth by our experience. Our experience is the caboose, right? It's not leading the train. So we, you know, Mormons uh, can talk about a burning in their bosom. People in the New Age can talk about uh, holy places they went to and experienced some sort of sensation where they felt like God was close to them. There's a lot of people who can testify to an experience. Truth is not determined by an experience. Truth is God and his word. Amen. And that's what we test things against. So be careful that someone doesn't make a pragmatic argument. Well, it worked for me. You know, it helped dot, dot, and dot. And so therefore it must be true. No, experience is not the test of truth. And Marsha brought this out. She said, this is what New Agers do. I could prove through astrology charts. I could fascinate people. You know, the devil is sly. I mean, he can, he can make something sound so good and stuff it with a lie, but there can be some things that we connect with or ring true to us, etc. No, exactly. It's called experientialism. That's a 50-cent term philosophically, that if I experience something, it must be true. Okay, I, last night I had the sensation that I was flying. And then this morning I had one that I was falling. That's when your autonomic nervous system doesn't kick over properly and it pumps adrenaline in you and you have the sensation of flying or falling. Did you have the sensation of flying or falling? Yes. Was I actually falling? No. Experience does not always tell you the truth. It has to be grounded in the word of God. But if somebody tells me I'm divine, my problem is I don't realize my divinity, specifically that I'm Jesus Christ, I have the Christ consciousness, the universal Christ, to help me out here. Here's 1 John chapter 2. I'm just going to read a couple of verses. Verse 20 through about 22. 1 John 2, 20 to 22. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, 
and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? Uh Uh-oh, here's the apostle of love. That's one of his nicknames. Listen to this. Who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is ha Christos in Greek. Not a Christ, ha Christos, the Christ. He is the only ultimate Christ. He alone is Christ. With all due respect, you are not Jesus. And neither am I. Who is the man who is a liar? He denied that Jesus is ha Christos, the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. You tell me on that. Does Richard Rohr have the Father? Does he have the Son? No. He got it from the Enneagram. No lie comes from the truth. Second Corinthians 11 says there's another Jesus, another gospel, another spirit. So just because someone uses the name of Jesus doesn't mean that they're talking about the same Jesus as you. Amen. So the point is that there is a false gospel out there. There's another Jesus and the devil masquerades as what? An angel of light that he might deceive people. So we have to understand this. Even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel than the gospel we have preached, let him be anathema. Let him be under the curse of God. So, Craig, anything else you want to say on that topic before we... I want to move on to uh, one more thing and then we'll open it up for questions. I don't doubt the sincerity of many of these people. I don't doubt they mean well. I don't doubt they want good things for themselves and their loved ones. I also don't doubt that they're deceived that they've been led astray. Timothy, uh, excuse me, Paul warns us in talking, in talking with Timothy, he tells us very clearly, it says, for example, in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, and the Lord's servant must not quarrel. We're not quarreling, we are attempting to persuade. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful, Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. That's powerful. So one more thing that you may have heard, or maybe this is your experience. So people have said, just get over it. Um, This is a tool. It's nothing more than a tool. And God can redeem anything. This is Now, this is the defense posture. And again, I, I want you to understand that we're not trying to beat anybody up here because we all can get off track. We can all kind of gravitate towards things that may not necessarily biblical, be biblical. But here's what people say. So when confronted with the origins, the enneotypes, etc., all that we've told you so far, people will often say this. Well, it's just a tool... And God can redeem anything. And so I've heard people say, well, God, you know, showed the star to the Magi and they were, you know, some form of priest from another part of the world. And maybe they were into astrology and the stars and that kind of thing. And so uh, if he used the Magi, then why can't he use the Enneagram? Well, the same thought, Michael, is summed up in the phrase, all truth is God's truth. Yeah, all truth is God's truth. All falsehood is not his truth. 
None of it is. And so he only uses things that are legitimate, empirically verified. The Magi were following, following an actual star, not an hallucination, but a literal star. So there needs to be empirical data. It needs to square with God's word and empirical data. There is no scientific studies. There is no scientific evidence for the Enneagram. It's subjective that the spiritual masters who use this stuff, who teach it, all have different subjective standards on how to interpret it, how to read it, like a tarot card reader or someone reading tea leaves or animal entrails. There's no one interpretation. There's, there is no objective evidence to prove this other than people's testimony. And Craig, the Magi may have been influenced by Daniel and his testimony in that area of the world. And then they came searching for the King of the Jews, the Christ, that they may worship him. They weren't looking to find out his number. Uh, what number are you, Jesus? Or what number can you tell us we are, right? They had come to give their gifts to him and then to worship the king. Here's an example. Anything can be redeemed. So should God start using the Ouija board to get messages to us? So should God use crystal balls now? Because anything can be redeemed. So if anything can be redeemed, then I'll, I'll sit before a crystal ball and ask God to use the crystal ball to get a message to me. A tarot card, you name it. Psychic Friends Network. Yeah, 1-800. Of course, they went out of business. They didn't see that one coming. So. They, <laughs> and Dionne Warwick, who... She couldn't even find her way to San Jose. <laughs> so we all know that there was issues there. Okay. So here's, here's one other thing I want you to, to hear. In 2 Kings chapter 18, it says this. Now, it came about in the third year of Hoshea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, became king. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Abi, the daughter of Zechariah. He did right in the sight of the Lord according to all his father David had done, 2 Kings 18.4. He removed the high places and broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the Asherah. He also broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the sons of Israel burned incense to it. And it was called Nehushtan, which means something like the bronze god or the bronze snake. Now get this. When the fiery serpent showed up and bit the people and God instructed Moses to raise up that bronze serpent that Jesus refers to in John chapter 3. When the people looked at the bronze serpent, they lived. Now, after that time and much time had uh, gone by, they took the relic, if you will, and began to worship it and burn incense to it. And the king here, Hezekiah, did right in the sight of the Lord by destroying something that the Israelites were burning incense to. Now, get this. If it's true that we could argue that God can redeem anything, why wouldn't God say, well, that bronze serpent that saved so many people in the wilderness after the snake bite, burning incense to it is no problem. After all, I, I, it was a tool that I used for the healing of many people. But Hezekiah is credited with destroying it because it had been elevated above God. They started to worship the artifact. And this is the problem when we, you know, we take things like this and we believe that somehow, you know, they give us a connection to God. And he's commended for destroying it 
because it was becoming a distraction and even potentially deceiving people. So there's another example. Okay, we're at the point where we are going to take some questions. And um, there's two ways you can ask a question. Hopefully you've submitted some questions on the app, but we are going to walk around with some microphones, and we've got a couple of guys that are going to start to do that. If you have a question, would you raise your hand, and we'd love to interact with you on it, or in between that, guys, if I don't know if we have questions, but you can put them up on the screen, and I can uh, read those off, and Craig and I will interact with those. All right, question through the app. How would you interact with another Christian that sits under the teaching of a pastor that, be- that believes that the Enneagram is one of the best tools to help them understand themselves so that they can grow in their relationship with God? So I would share some of the quotes from Michazo and, of course, Narano, but even contemporaries. Uh, we have a whole list of people who are into this, like, for example, uh, uh, Sabelle and others. Uh, uh, there's a number of books that are out there, Richard Rohr. I think 27 uh, books have been published by uh, Christian publishers yeah. on the Enneagram. And so I'd say, well, just help me out here. And again, I, I don't want to be offensive. I joke around, but I want to love them and say things like, well, you know, the founder of this says that you're, you're involved in a, quote, ego fixation. That's his term. You're concentrating on your personality type, your anti-type, as they call it now. He says that's an ego fixation. He says the problem is you don't really realize your inner or true self, your essence. That's their key term, your essence. You're, you're involved in a false self, not your true self. So could you help me out? Could you explain that to me? So how... That what you're being taught, how does that square with what, not just all, but the contemporary folks teaching this stuff, they believe that's what's going on there. You're saying this is really helping you grow and mature, but that doesn't even, that doesn't even not only fly with the word of God, it doesn't even fly with your, with the official founders and ultimate yes. teachers of this stuff. The, the source of the information, yes. right? So Jillian Lancor, the pastor's wife I was telling you about, said that she got to a point where this became so elevated in her life. It was the first thing that she'd talk about. She would guess people's types and all of that. And she said she became so fixated on the types and self that she forgot that the Bible says to die to yourself, to take up your cross, die to yourself, crucify your flesh, and follow Christ. Amen? Paul said, there's not one good thing in my flesh, not one. Now, when the Spirit of God is producing the fruits of the Spirit, then we've got positive things going on. But the whole focus on figuring out yourself so then you can grow. The, the Bible's already diagnosed what the problem is. It's me. It's the guy staring at me in the mirror every single day. Self needs to be crucified. I need to die to self so that Christ can live in and th- or he lives in me, but live through me and, and I can love others and have the mind of Christ. Amen. So this flies in the face of just kind of Christianity 101. You don't need to figure yourself out. The Bible's already diagnosed you and your problem. <laughs> Amen. You got to die to yourself. And then as you crucify the flesh, of course, the spirit gets elevated in one's exactly. life. Exactly. And so some of the names today, Alice Freiling, Helen Palmer, Avowed New Ager. I mentioned Bob Ox, Matthew Brown, Sandals. Might as well give a name. He proudly owns his stuff. Uh, Don Rizzo, uh, Christopher Hertz. Emily Richard, Beth McCord, uh, I think of uh, Sibyl and Ian Crone, the, the Road Back to You. I have the book. I've gone through it. It's, it's radically unbiblical. And so, 
And by the way, all the key players, they all acknowledge in their lineage, they're all New Agers. New Agers is another re- word for occultists, into some form of Western occultism and pantheism. All is divine. You are part of the all, so you're divine. So how does that square with your Christianity? Mm-hmm. How does it square with what the Word of God says, which it says the original lie that got us in trouble was, you shall be like God. And think about the title of the book, The Road Back to You. Boy, does that appeal. But to what? Yeah. To- well, you are listening to a mini-sode on the Enneagram. And this was content that was recorded from a special 633 event that we held at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, where I have the privilege of serving as senior pastor. Special guest, Professor Craig Hawkins, And I pray it's been a blessing to you. Remember to keep us in prayer as we continue to fight the good fight for truth and to love people and to give the gospel. Glad you're listening. Hey, recommend this to a friend. And I pray the rest of the content will be a blessing to you. Thanks for listening to A Step Closer. Let us know your thoughts on today's topic. You can email us at contact at walkintruth.com. You can also let us know a topic or question you'd like us to answer and discuss. Again, email us at contact at walkintruth.com. Thank you.